1: Tonight we begin by heading to the far north to hear another exciting tale of Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police and his heroic dog, Yukon King. Challenge of the Yukon, an American radio adventure series that began on Detroit's WXYZ. Following the success of the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet on that Detroit station, the station owner, George W. Trendle, asked for a similar adventure show with a dog as the hero. He insisted it not be a dog like Lassie because this must be an action story. It had to be a working dog. Writer Tom Dougal, who had been influenced by poems of Robert W. Service, naturally chose a husky. The dog was originally called Mogo, but after criticism by Trendle, Dougal rechristened the canine King. It began as a 15-minute serial uh, and lasted from 1938 until 1947. The program was an adventure series about Sergeant Frank Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police and his lead sled dog, Yukon King, as they fought evildoers in the northern wilderness during the gold rush of the 1890s. Preston, according to radio historian Jim Harmon, first joined the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to capture his father's killer, and when he was successful, he was promoted to sergeant. Each episode had him battling a new crisis, whether to be tracking down a murderer, a gang of thieves, or claim-jumping miners. Tonight's episode, it's entitled, King Takes Over.
2: From Hollywood, the George Burns and Gracie Allen Show, for Hormel and Spam.
3: Great. Oh.
4: Sperry buff, Boom, Stan, George Burns and Gracie Allen, Artie Shaw, and his Orchestra? The singing glee, with the smoothie see, last but not least, and with Bud Heaston. <laughs>
2: Those two spam ambassadors of fun, George and Gracie. Uh, thank you very
5: much. Hello, Bud.
2: Hello, Gracie. Say, you should have been with me Saturday night. I went
6: to a party at Irene Dunn's house. By the way, Bud, uh, what's Irene Dunn doing?
5: Dunn doing? George, <laughs> what kind of English is that?
6: What <laughs> kind of English is that? Yeah. I said, what's Irene Dunn doing?
5: You mean, what's Irene Dunn? Gracie,
6: isn't Irene Dunn a motion picture star?
5: Well, yes, I saw her in My Favorite Wife
6: Well, that's the picture that Irene Dunn did
5: Dunn did? Oh, <laughs> well, that's even worse than Dunn doing
6: <laughs> Well, George,
2: maybe I can help you You see, Gracie, Irene Dunn told me that... Uh, Dunn because...
5: told you?
3: <laughs>
5: oh, what did Irene Dunn told you, all Rochester?
6: Look, Gracie, when Irene Dunn does a picture It doesn't mean that Irene Dunn... Done a picture. It means Irene Dunn did a picture. Uh And the picture that Dunn did is what Dunn's done.
3: Do you
5: feel all right, Daddy?
6: But why did you have to stop us? Senor Burns, you say una cosa muy graciosa de esa película. That's the guitar player, yes. What is it, Senor Lee? I saw that picture with that Irene Dunn and that Kenny Grunt. He's wonderful. Kenny Grunt? The...
3: <laughs> you mean
6: Carrie Grant? Remember in the picture when she puts her arms around him and hugged him and squeezed him? Yes. Well, Kenny Grunt? Hardy <laughs> will you keep that South American park your carcass quiet?
3: <laughs> okay,
6: poopsie. And stop with that poopsie. That's, where, that's what the girl called me here last week, and now it's all over.
5: Oh, George! I knew I had something to tell you. You know that sweet little girl who was up here last week? The one you promised to make your new partner on the radio.
6: You mean Elsie Tralafas?
5: Yeah, that's the one, Pupsy.
6: Stop calling me Pupsi.
5: <laughs>
6: and I was only fooling when I promised to put her on the radio. Don't tell me that she's taking it to heart.
5: Oh, worse than that, she's taking it to court.
6: <laughs> she's taking it to court?
5: Yeah. And when she told me that she was suing you for $10,000, I told her a thing or a couple. Ten thousand dollars? Yes, I said to her, I said, I said, I said, Elsie, by the time you get through buying the clothes to wear in front of the jury, paying your lawyer, and paying your court expenses, you have nothing left out of the ten thousand.
6: Well, did What's she... the
5: sense of it?
6: That's right. Did she see your point? She
5: certainly did. Oh, good. Now she's
3: doing you but
5: <laughs> you <ad-libbed 100. laughs> two hundred thousand. You yeah. add libbed a hundred. Two? Two hundred thousand?
7: Oh, don't worry about it, George. A friend of mine was sued for $150,000, and he didn't pay a cent. Well, Lottie, I'd like to meet him. And you can talk to him tomorrow. Well, good. Visiting hours are from 2 to 4.
6: <laughs> well, I'm certainly in a lovely mess. Now I'll have to get a lawyer, and it'll probably cost me thousands of dollars.
5: Oh, not the lawyer I hired for you.
6: You hired a lawyer for me?
5: Yeah, and he's very cheap.
6: Well, how do you know he's cheap?
5: Well, I had lunch with him today, and I had to pay my own check. <laughs> Gracie,
6: did anybody ever tell you that you were a little imbecilic?
5: Yes, a picnic once. I see. Well, I guess he didn't mean it because I never saw him again.
6: <laughs> Everything happens to me. A lawsuit for 100000 oh. for $200,000. Uh, Senor Burns? Uh, what? If you're looking for a good lawyer, get my uncle. He handled the Dreyfus case. The Dreyfus case? You mean Alexander Dreyfus from Devil's Island? No, the taxi Dreyfus from Coney Island. <laughs> $200,000 I wouldn't pay that Elsie Trollifax a
3: nickel
2: Good for you, George That'll help me a whole lot
6: how will it help you
2: I'll be able to tell our listeners That both you and Spam are in the can
3: <laughs>
6: Well, that hit the spot <laughs> Thanks, George I thought so. And here I was saving my money For when I was old and decrepit
5: And just where you are Look what happened <laughs> This
6: whole thing is absurd.
5: Well, George is right. That Elsie is nothing but a gold digger. And I told her plenty, too. I I told her that before she'd get a dime from you, George, you'd draw all your money out of the bank.
6: Oh, that wouldn't frighten a girl like Elsie.
5: Oh, it wouldn't, huh? It scared her so that she tied up your bank account. <laughs> tied up
6: my bank account?
5: Oh.
2: Look, George passed out.
5: Well, I can't understand it, bud. Wouldn't you think he'd be interested in what I'm telling him?
2: The boss is out. The smoothies, Babs, Charlie, and Little will sing Cherry Berry Bean.
3: Oh, Cherry
4: Bean. Oh, Cherry Bean. Cherry Bean, he waits for her each night beneath her balcony. Cherry Bean. Time, but no, she won't agree she, bing, she throws a rose and blows A kiss from above Jerby bee Jerby bee shoop, They're so in love When the moon ain't I believe There's a handsome leaf. Every night he sings So happily So his lady in a manner of soul, some more, he repeats his serenade. And his heart beats so more when she raises her Venetian shade. Chilly-be-bean, chilly bing chilly chilly-be-bean, be bean oh, chilly-be-bean. He waits for to life beneath the balcony, chilly-be-bean, he
3: waits to hold
4: it tight. But no she won't agree, no she won't agree. chib bean she throws, she throws, goes up, kiss him up above. the a bean chib He sings to her each night,
1: under the bare moonlight.
4: chib he waits for her each night, beneath her balcony. chib he begs to hold her tight. But no, she won't agree, she really, she throws her rose and blows the kiss from up above. Chippie-Bing, Chippie-Bing, now they sing of love, they're both so much in love, oh, Chippie-Bing, be oh, Chippie-Bing, be oh,
3: Chippie-Bing. Be
5: Well, George is still out. Artie, hold his head while I give him another spoonful of this medicine. Oh, oh. Gracie, that's extract of
7: bitters. That's extract of bitters. That's terrible stuff.
5: I know. Hold his head while I give him another spoonful.
7: Oh,
5: oh. Another spoonful.
7: Oh, oh. Gracie, you're spilling half of that medicine on his chin. Wipe it off.
5: I can't. It burns my fingers. Oh, oh. Well, listen, George,
2: I've got some bad news. Uh- Oh, gee, still out,
5: huh? Yeah, hold his head, Artie. Boop,
2: boop. Well, listen. Listen. Elsie Sweetheart is outside, and he's a big bruiser, and I can't hold him, and he says he's going to come in here and mop up the floor with George. Shall I call for help?
5: Oh, no, no. He and George can mop up this floor without any help. Look,
2: <laughs> Gee, this is awful. What do we do?
5: Well, uh, how about you and me going to Ciro's tonight? Oh.
2: Look, is George coming, too?
5: No, just you and I. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh He's coming out of his faint Shall I tell him about Elsie's sweetheart, that big bruiser who's coming here to beat him up?
7: No, no, not that, he'll fight again He'll faint again <laughs> Oh, that's
5: all right, that's all right There's plenty of medicine left oh,
6: Where am I? Oh, I know Hmm. Boy, this lawsuit has certainly left a bit of taste in my mouth <laughs> Greasy, that's Elsie's sweetheart. Hey, sound man, that's probably my lawyer. Let him in.
2: Mr. Burns, before I open the door, do your insurance policies carry double indemnity in case of death by accident? Well, yes. You are a very lucky man, warrant you?
6: <laughs> sound man, will you let my lawyer in? Well, you asked for it. Who's George Burns?
5: Uh-oh, here comes Malicious.
6: I'm George Burns Oh, so you're George Burns That's right so What about you and Elsie Trollifast?
5: Well, he, he doesn't know her he, He's never heard of her, you, he, George Certainly I know Elsie
6: Trollifast oh. I know her very well And, mister, if you're going to help me out of this legal jam I might as well tell you the truth Good I'll give her to you straight from the
5: shoulder Oh, vice versa
8: <laughs> Just how well did you know Elsie Trollifast?
6: Well, I'm not a man who likes to boast, but On the other hand, this is no time to hold anything back.
7: Calling Dr. Kildare. Calling Dr.
3: Kildare. (laughs) Uh,
6: One night about a week ago, I was taking her home in a taxi, and I put my arm around her. Like this? Yeah, but I held her a little tighter. You mean like this? Oh, wait a minute. Not that tight.
5: (laughs) Oh, that was quite a crush.
6: Yeah, couldn't have killed me. And after I took Elsie home, we were standing in the hallway. Senor Burns. Standing in the hallway with Elsie, you see? Senor Burns. And uh, we were both in the hallway. Hey,
4: poopsie!
1: What
6: is it, senor Lee? Uh, Can I have your tooth powder after you get your teeth knocked out? I'm not going to get my teeth knocked out. I know something that you don't know. Marty, will you keep that stale character quiet? So we were standing in the hallway And I put my lips against Elsie's And
7: she... George, George, shall I play my number now? What, uh, what number? Get out of town before it's too late Artie, <laughs> you're not playing that number
5: No, no, this is the number you're playing, Artie Let me get at the piano when April showers will come your way Be careful, poopsie, of what you say We're trying to tell you, take it on the lamb. This fellow isn't what you think he is If you want to continue for them, just keep your mouth shut oh, quiet,
6: quiet! Anyway, mister, I was standing in the hallway with Elsie and she threw her arms around <laughs> me Southman, man! Stop slamming the door! You know, I hate bangs. You hate bangs? Then keep your mouth shut.
2: You've said enough.
6: Oh, quiet,
2: quiet. Yeah, what's going on? This guy
4: behind you is pretty tough.
5: You'll be looking up at daisies that you won't be able to smell. Wah, 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 wah. wah.
4: Whenever Elsie's boyfriend comes. Ah.
7: For as long
6: <laughs> Now, look, what's going on here? Here I am worrying about $200,000 lawsuit And everybody's singing
8: Say, did Elsie ever happen to mention her boyfriend?
6: Yeah, I heard her say something She's going around with some dope or something Dope?
7: Hold your hats, boys Here it comes
6: you did say dope, didn't you? Yeah, some big dope or something. Sound man, why are you opening the door? There's nobody going out. That's what you
3: think.
8: <laughs> hey, Mr. Burns, I think we can talk this over better in the alley.
6: Yeah, it's too noisy in here. Come on, let's go. George,
5: George, don't tell uh, what I've done, he'll be done. What I've mean, done done? What's that? Uh, Irene Dunn told me it's Elsie's boyfriend.
6: Boy, Irene Dunn? Who's afraid of Elsie's boyfriend? Why, with one hand, I can crumple him to pieces. I'm Elsie's boyfriend. And with the other hand, I can...
5: Oh. What happened? Oh, George is fainted. i hold his head while I give him some more medicine.
6: Yeah, when he comes to,
2: when he comes to, tell him that he's not only being sued for $200,000 for breach of contract, but I'm suing him for $300,000 for alienation of affection. Goodbye, everybody. And goodbye, Poopsie. Well, what are we going to do with George? He fainted again. Can't anybody do
6: something? I can do something. We'll do it. That'll be delightful.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
6: Yo tengo buena suerte con todos los jueguitos, pero lo que es mi fuerte es el juego de amorcitos. Hay una muchachita quien yo quiero
7: conquistar, les
6: apuesto lo que quieran, que la voy a ganar.
7: Se llama Nada,
6: ella es mi nada. Mi nada no hace nada más que amar. Yo quiero a Nada, no hago nada, más que de mi nada soñar. Cuando beso a mi nada, nada beso al parecer, pero nada tiene todo para hacerme arder. Yo quiero a nada, no hace nada, nada más que
5: His head. I'll give him another spoonful.
7: Boop, boop. Gracie, is this medicine good for fainting? Oh, it's
5: marvelous for fainting. How do you know? Well, every time I give my daddy a spoonful, he faints. Oh,
3: uh,
2: oh, what happened? Who am oh, I? George Burns? Where am I? George Byrd. Oh, who types these things, anyway? <laughs> where, where am I? On the spam program.
7: What, what spam?
2: What spam? Boy, you must be groggy if you don't remember what Spam is. Why, George, Spam is what you have fried with eggs for breakfast. Spam is what you have for lunch, sliced cold in sandwiches. Spam is what you have baked whole for dinner. Oh, yes, but I remember now. And you ask me what Spam. Why, George, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I'm a bad boy, uh...
3: <laughs> Why,
2: everybody knows that Spam is tender, delicious meat, all ready to eat as it comes from the can.
9: All right, but I'm sorry. Easy
2: to serve, economical, to use... Spam is the reason housewives are spending less time in the kitchen and still giving their families good food on the dot.
6: I apologize, but Spam is wonderful. Well, thanks, George. Yes, I didn't mean it,
2: but I'm sorry. Okay, sit down. (laughs) Now, ladies, here's a grand suggestion for dinner tomorrow night. Open a can of Spam, S-P-A-M. As I said before, it's all ready to eat, so just slice Spam and serve with tomatoes, corn on the cob, a simple dessert, and your favorite beverage. You'll have nothing but compliments from the whole gang because the meaty flavor, the grand taste of Spam, satisfies even the huskiest appetite. And when you try the other recipes on the label, you'll discover Spam has dozens of uses, cold or hot. So remember, you'll spend a lot of time out of the kitchen when you keep Spam on your pantry shelf. It needs no refrigeration. Get a supply when you shop tomorrow. Just say to your food dealer, I want Spam.
6: I want Spam.
4: (laughs) Slice it. Dice it. Fry it. Bake it. Cold or hot. Spam hits the spot.
6: Oh, now I remember. Elsie Trellofas' boyfriend. What happened to him? He's gone. Uh, I wish that lawyer would come. Being sued for $200,000. Why, if I lose that case... It'll be like taking the shirt off my back.
5: Well, here comes Striptease Burns now.
6: Striptease Burns?
5: Yeah, because her boyfriend is suing you for 300000
6: 300000
5: Oh! Artie, hold his head. Oh, well... <laughs> Say,
6: George, George
2: looks flushed. Has anybody got a thermometer? Uh, here's one, Senor Bud. I got it off the wall. That's a barometer, not a thermometer. In his condition, he'll know the difference?
3: <laughs> oh,
5: give it to me, Bud. Open his mouth, Artie. My, this is awful. Well,
2: what's wrong with George? What does it say?
5: He's partly cloudy in the southern region. His head
7: boop, boop. But take the barometer Out of George's mouth Oh here it is And I'll put his teeth Back in
5: Now I'll give him Another spoonful
7: Boop Boop
5: Gracie
2: that's the 30th spoonful You've given him And it hasn't done him Any good
5: I know Well
2: then why are you Making him finish All that terrible medicine
5: I want to get my nickel Back in the bottle
3: <laughs>
5: Oh
7: Oh uh, Where is he Who The lawyer He's supposed to be here Oh,
6: my head. Oh,
5: what's the matter, George? I don't
6: feel well. I've got spots in front of my eyes.
5: Oh, then that stuff I gave you is a fake. Fake? Yeah, look what it says here in the bottle. Good for a moving spot.
6: Gracie, <laughs> <laughs> that's Carbona. Uh, Senor Burns? Yes, what is it, Senor Lee? Uh, once I had a date with Brendan Carbona. <laughs> Brenda and Carbona? The... Carbona makes you sick. Brenda's a doll? <laughs> Howdy, will you send that broken-down guitar player back to local 802? Ooh, this must be him. Come in. Uh, Mr. Burns? Yes? My name is Jules Covey, attorney-in-law. At I'm calling with reference to the L.C. Telefast case. Well, I'm glad to hear, Mr. Covey, as I'd like to explain the whole thing to you. Well, that's what attorneys are for, Mr. Burns. Well, now, to begin with... I did take Elsie Tralifas out a few times. She was young and pretty, and after all, I'm only human.
5: George, don't say anything you can't prove.
6: (laughs) I've got that down, Mr. Byrne. Well, anyway, the first night I I met her, we drove out to the beach, and the radio was playing, and I had the pot of gold on.
5: Is that prettier than a derby? (laughs) Will you
6: be quiet. Go ahead, Mr. Burns. I'm writing it down. So we were driving along, and I kept telling her how pretty she was and how smart she was, and pretty soon we came to a lonely spot, and I ran out of compliments. Well,
5: that's a new one. Most fellows run out of gas. Percy,
6: for your information, there are lots of couples who don't neck in parked cars.
5: Yeah, the woods are full of them. <laughs>
6: All right, so maybe I kissed her a few times. But please, Gracie, it's very important that the lawyer hears my story. I've got that down, Mr. Burns. Of course, that wouldn't look very good to a jury. So when we we get to court, Mr. Colby, let's cut out the kissing.
5: You mean you and he'll just hold hands?
6: Gracie, will you keep still? Go ahead, Mr. Burns. I've got that down. Well, you can tell the jury that I'm a man of very fine character.
5: George, Mr. Colby just met you. He doesn't even know you.
7: Well, if he doesn't know, George, then he can say it. <laughs>
6: Ah, well, this cast is always kidding me like this, Mr. Covey But uh, they'll be glad to be character witnesses for me, won't you, boys? Oh, you bet
2: your life we will, George I'll be glad to stand up in court and tell them what a wonderful guy you are
6: Oh, thanks, but... uh, How much does it pay? (laughs) You know, now you've got me so confused, I don't know which way to turn
5: Oh, a Los Angeles driver, huh? (laughs)
6: Uh, A lot of quine friends Senor Burns what is it, Senor Lee? For 50 cents, I will tell the jury that you are a perfect gentleman. 50 cents, huh? Hey. I won't pay it. All right. So I'll say you're good for nothing.
5: <laughs> he does that down, Mr. Colby?
7: Poor George. You start out looking for a character witness, and look what happened. No witness? No character.
6: <laughs> oh, keep still. Anyway, Mr. Colby, I
7: met this Elsie
6: fast in a restaurant, and you never saw anybody eat so much in your life. She ordered a double porterhouse steak... And in two seconds, she looked up at me, and what do you think she said? I've got that down, Mr.
3: Burns.
6: (laughs) That was exactly what she said.
3: You see, it really was
6: a lot of innocent fun. Oh, so that's what happened. Well, not exactly. (laughs) That's what I want you to tell the jury. If the opposing side knew the real facts, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on. You see, between you and me, I did promise to put Elsie Tralifass on the radio. <laughs> I see what you mean, Mr. Burns. And believe me, I can't possibly lose this case.
8: Uh, uh, good day. Good day. Now,
6: there's a great lawyer. See, Gracie? He says he can't lose.
5: Oh, that's what he says. I'll bet your lawyer will beat him. <laughs> <laughs>
3: My lawyer? My lawyer? Yes. Who was that? Elsie
5: oh, Tralifass's lawyer. Elsie Trallopass. I hold his head.
3: (laughs)
2: Before George and Gracie return to say good night. They want me to tell you that Spam is a mighty good mealtime hint for your household tomorrow and every day. Ask for Spam, S-P-A-M, when you shop tomorrow and try the easy recipes on the label.
6: Well, thanks, bud. Oh, well, Gracie, say goodnight.
5: Oh, good night. And by the way, George, here's some good news. You know, it didn't do Elsie Trollifax any good to tie up your money.
7: Well, Gracie, why?
5: Well, I found out that your bank just failed. Oh. Oh, Artie, hold his head.
7: Well, will George come, too, by next week? Will he win the case? Will he have to pay $100,000? What will happen? Who cares? Good
3: night.
2: (laughs) Listen again next Monday night, same time, same station, for George Burns and Gracie Allen, with Artie Shaw and his orchestra and the smoothies, brought to you by Hormel and Spam. Until then, this is Bud Heaston reminding you to remember that cold or hot, spam hits the spot.
1: Stay tuned for Burns and Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen to entertain. Tonight we'll hear the tale of George being sued by one of his guest singers.
8: Now, as gunshots echo across the windswept snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns, present the challenge of the Yukon. It's Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On King,
10: Lund, you huskies!
8: Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike and the Wild Race for riches, back to the days of the gold rush. With Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his Wonder Dog Yukon King as they meet the Challenge of the Yukon. Warning! Calling all fellas and girls. Listen carefully. Nutrition authorities say... Breakfast should furnish from one-quarter to one-third of the day's total food requirements. So eat a good breakfast. Eat a better breakfast. Eat a cereal. Yes, you can't go wrong if you eat plenty of cereal, fruit, milk, bread, and butter. So tomorrow, enjoy a bowl full of delicious Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice topped with milk or cream and fruit. There's no beating this eating for tasting swell. What's more, for added health benefits... Crisp, tender wheat or rice shot from guns furnishes restored natural grain amounts of vitamin B1, niacin, and iron. Yes, and talk about good. Just try them. You'll love to eat Quaker puffed rice and Quaker puffed wheat. It was a bitter cold day when Corporal Delaney of the Northwest Mounted Police... ...pushed two prisoners before him into the small jail at Carson Corners. The Mountie had come a long way that day, and his face was blue with cold, and his eyes heavy from lack of sleep. Zeke, the old jailer, poked up the fire in the big stove as the corporal put the prisoners into the empty cell.
11: I'll have this place hotter than a Dutch oven in a few minutes, corporal, so that you can thaw out. You got some tea on your sled out there? I can heat up some water for you. Thanks, Zeke. Maybe you
9: better make some tea for the prisoners, but... I'm going on over to the cafe and have an early supper and turn in. Sleep is the only thing I'm interested in.
11: I don't suppose you've slept much lately, having to guard two prisoners all the way from Moose
9: Creek. I was mighty glad to get here, I'll tell you. My job's finished now, though. I'm going back to my station in the morning. Sergeant Preston will pick those men up and take them into Dawson. Oh.
11: Ah, this fire feels good. I sure will be glad to see
9: the Sergeant. When do you think he'll get here? I don't know exactly, but I imagine he'll get here in two or three days. In the uh, meantime, keep a sharp watch on those two in the cell. They're tricky. You have a lot of trouble with them? That's why I couldn't get any sleep. They tried to escape twice. They know they're going to hang for murder, so they're quite desperate.
11: Well, Don't you worry, I'll watch them. I'll deliver them to Sergeant Preston when he comes. My wife will be glad to hear that the sergeant's coming to town. She likes him... Always has him to supper. I know she'd be glad to have you eat with us tonight,
9: Corporal. If you can wait long enough
11: for her to cook it.
9: That's nice of you, Zeke, but I'm afraid I wouldn't make very good company. (laughs) I'd probably fall asleep in my plate. I'll be getting along
11: now. I might as well walk over with you. I can help you unharness the team and feed
9: them while Joe gets your supper going. I'll bring the prisoners their supper, too. I imagine they're hungry, all right. And I'd welcome some help from my dog team. Come on.
8: As Corporal Delaney and Zeke left the jail, one of the men in the cell rose from the cot on which he'd been sitting. Mike Horton was big and towered over the French Canadian who stood near the cell door. His big hands covered with red hair, Mike grasped the bars of the door and shook them fiercely.
12: Maybe I can break one of these bars, loose, huh? Ah, are bar's too strong, even for you. We gotta get out of here if we want to save our necks. Yeah, we. We are starved, no supplies. I'd rather take a chance on that than have my neck stretched by a rope. Don't worry. If we get out of here, we'll get supplies. How you get out? That old dodo of a jailer ain't very smart. If he comes too close to these bars and I can get my hands on him, I'll bet we go free. You hear what Mounty tell him? He say to watch you. Uh, he said the money that's coming for us will be here in about three days. That gives us a little time for the old man to get careless. He's just got to do it once.
3: Yeah.
12: Well, me, I'm tired. Food and sleep tonight for me, that's all. Yeah, good sleep is what we both need. Some hot food. When that old geezer gives us our dinner, I'm going to be watching him. I'll find out where he carries his keys and how careless he is. And tomorrow night, we'll know just what to do. You think tomorrow night
13: we try to escape?
12: You're with me, ain't you? You'll try and make a break with me tomorrow night? Yeah, I can lose nothing. To starve or freeze or hang. There's no choice. If we get out of here before that other money gets to town, we don't do any of them. We'll get free and get out of the country. <laughs> I got a plan.
8: Tomorrow we plan. Tonight sleep. The early winter darkness had fallen as Sergeant Preston drove his dog team into town the following evening. As he neared Zeke's cabin close to the edge of town, his big lead dog, King, slowed his pace, and the sergeant chuckled as the dog halted in front of it.
10: Oh, you husky, easy now. I thought you'd know where to stop. You want to go in and see Zeke and Molly, don't you? You never forget places that have nice, juicy bones waiting for you. Well... Come on, I was going to stop here anyway. Hello, Molly.
14: Why, Sergeant Preston and King. Come in. Come on in, boy. We didn't expect you for another day or so. Zeke said you'd probably be here in about three days. And
10: Corporal Delaney got here with the prisoners.
14: Oh, yes, they're safe in jail. Zeke's down there now getting the supper for them. Oh, now, take off your pocket and sit near the stove and get warm. Thanks, Molly. Oh, King, I'm glad to see you.
10: Made better time than expected. It's a good thing I did. It's starting to snow. i like to have a heavy storm before morning. But
14: you stay and have supper with us. We'll eat just as soon as Zeke gets back.
10: You know, I was hoping you'd ask me.
14: Why, you know very well that you and King don't have to be asked, Sergeant. You're welcome here any time you come to town.
10: Does Zeke have any trouble with the prisoners?
14: No, none at all. He was worried about them because Corporal Delaney said they were desperate men. So Zeke slept at the jail last night. He said they didn't give him any trouble at all. One of them was even kind of pleasant. He said he heard them talking about liking the jail because it was warm and they were getting hot food.
10: That may be a way of trying to get Zeke off his guard.
14: Never thought of that. But if they're sensible, they'd never try escaping be taking an awful chance. It's so
0: cold.
10: Most prisoners wouldn't leave a warm jail on a night like this, even if the doors are unlocked. But you must remember, these men are going to hang. They might be willing to risk freezing.
14: Uh, Zeke is watching them. He plans to sleep there again tonight, but he's coming home for supper. He takes them their supper from the cafe. It's closer.
10: Zeke can sleep at home tonight. I'll sleep at the jail. Oh, uh, speaking of supper, i better go out and feed my dogs.
14: You're going to leave them here tonight?
10: No, I'll leave them in harness, take them with me. Place for them behind the jail.
8: Inside the jail, Mike and Louie waited restlessly for Zeke to return from the cafe with their supper. Louis was nervous, and his hands picked at the blanket covering the cot on which he sat.
12: It's cold, it is bad. With no supply, we freeze. We're gone tonight if we get the chance. That money may get here sooner than they expect, and don't worry about supplies. When we set fire to the jail, everyone would come running here. We take what we please from the cabins at the edge of town. Yeah, if everything works as you plan. But maybe no. Well, old Zeke ain't as careful as he was. When he gave us our dinner this noon, I could have grabbed him. But I couldn't risk being seen in daylight. Tonight, they'll be sure we're burned up in the jail. They won't even start looking for us. <laughs> they'll be sure we're dead along with old Zeke. Quiet. He comes.
11: Really? Had dinner, boys. Hope it's still warm. I hurried as fast as I could to keep it from freezing solid. It's getting colder. And it looks like a storm's blowing
12: up. Uh, thanks, Zeke. I'm getting hungry. Here, maybe I can help you, huh? Hey, let go of me! Let go! Yeah, be quiet or I'll break your arms. in <laughs> yeah. his keys. Right. Hang on to his belt.
13: Hey, hey. My arms, hey. let go. Uh, Pull him closer to the yeah. bars.
12: You can reach him now. Get his gun. Oh, uh, 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 I got him! Uh, yeah. He's gone. Yeah, get the door open, hurry. Right. Then let him have it with the foot of the gun. No, hurry no, I can't you. hold him all night. My arms. They'll get you for this, yeah. you freezer. Oh. Oh. I'll spill the oil out of the lantern. You get matches out of six parts We just leave him here like this. That's uh, sure. He's unconscious. You'll never know what happened to him. Take me all burned up together. Here yeah. yeah, are matches. All right, get Billy. Go behind the cabins toward the end of town time they see this fire starting and start out another, the cabins will be out of the way. Get your park going. Give me mine. Right. This is going to be the cleanest getaway anybody ever thought of.
8: Sergeant Preston had fed his dogs and was sitting beside the stove drinking a cup of hot tea as Molly busied herself a supper. King lay near the door away from the heat of the stove. Molly looked at the old clock on the shelf.
14: Zeke should be home any minute now. Want some more tea, Sergeant?
10: No, thanks, Molly. This warmed me up nicely. What's wrong, King?
14: Maybe he hears Zeke coming.
10: He hears something. Listen.
14: Something's happened. I hear people yelling.
10: I'll see what it is. Here's your
14: parker, Sergeant. Don't you go out without
10: it. Thanks, Molly. Look, it's the jail. Jail's on fire. Oh,
14: my heavens, and Zeke with those two murderers. I'd better help, Molly. I'll get my coat. Maybe I can help, too.
8: As Sergeant Preston, with King running beside him, approached the burning building, he saw the small group of men outlined against the flames, staring helplessly. Seeking the prisoners Got out? I can't see them. Ned James saw the jail of fire, but by
10: the time we got here, we could see there was no use trying to put it out. You mean Zeke might be in there? He must be. And there were two prisoners locked in the cell. I'm going after them. Hey, no. It's too late, Sergeant. That roof's going to fall any minute now. I've got now. to try it. I'll put this muffler over my face. Black King, stay here, boy. Do you hear? Down. I'm going to get sick. Stay on. there, boy. He's crazy to go in there. That's the last we'll see of that, Marty. His dog knows it, too. Quiet, old boy. Sergeant gave you orders to stay here. Oh, man. Come on, man.
8: As Sergeant Preston entered the flaming building, the smoke rose around him in blinding clouds. He held his breath and staggered through it, his face protected by the woolen muffler. But the heat seemed to sear his eyes and water poured from them. His lungs bursting for air, he drove himself forward and heard the ominous crack of a beam of flaming wood above him. It was then that he stumbled over a figure lying on the floor in front of him. The smoke stung his eyes, but he fumbled for Zeke's arm and, bending, lifted the body to his shoulders and lunged toward the door. The burning timbers behind him crashed. Now to continue our story. As the burning timbers behind him crashed, Sergeant Preston staggered and fell with Zeke's body in the snow that was melting from the heat of the fire. Everything seemed to be spinning in mad circles. He had to fight desperately to claim to consciousness. He was only vaguely aware of men who gathered around him, beating at smoldering patches of flame on his partner. There's another. Get the fire out before we try to move him. Hey, hey, you
13: boys, you take Zeke. Take him next door. Will okay, come here. Yeah, put some wet snow on that smoldering place. All right. <laughs> That's a ticket, that
8: does it. Then the Mountie felt cold, clean air in his lungs. His brain stopped spinning. He felt himself carried farther from the fire. Easy now. He opened his arm. Well,
13: well. You'll be all right, Sergeant. <laughs> Just take it easy for a few minutes. The fire? You're away from it. You may be all right, Sergeant. We sure thought you were a goner.
10: Zeke? Where's Sieg.
13: Zeke? Zeke's all taken care of. He's taken to the cafe next door. There, there goes the room. A few seconds more, it would have been the last
8: of you.
10: The prisoners, the men in that cell.
12: Good
8: devils, that's the last of them, all right. But you did all you could do, Sergeant. How you ever got out is more than I'll understand.
10: Hello there, King. Did we
8: have a time holding that dog bag?
10: He almost pulled Jim and me in there after you. It's all right, boy, I'm not hurt. Yes, i better go see what I can do for Zeke. Uh, you need any help, Sergeant? Are you still dizzy? No, I'm all right now. My head's cleared. Zeke's wife,
13: Molly, is in there with him now. She got here just when you started out the door carrying him.
10: Good. Hope Zeke's all right. He must have inhaled a lot of smoke. Oh, he'll come out of it all right. Zeke's a tough old bird. We'll see how he's coming along.
8: While Sergeant Preston made his way to the cafe, Mike and Louie had reached the last cabin on the trail from town. Molly, in her haste, had left the door open, and the light from the oil lamp inside shone in a rectangular patch on the snow as the two men crept slowly from the rear of the cabin.
12: We can take what we need from this cabin, Louie. There's no one here. Door's wide open. We, everyone in town has gone to the fire. Yeah, it's empty, all right. Hey, look at those shelves in there. Loaded with canned stuff. We'll take blankets, too. You better keep watch out here while I collect it, huh? Mike, wait. What's wrong? Look out there
13: in front. Do you see it?
12: Yeah. It's a dog team on a sled. And they're all in harness, ready to go. <laughs> this is the luckiest thing that could have happened to us. Get them turned around while I get supplies out of yes. here. This is our lucky night, all right. Say, look, it's starting to snow. Even our trail will be covered. I get that team turned <laughs> around.
8: Back in the cafe, Sergeant Preston and the men were giving Zeke artificial respiration. Molly stood weeping beside them
13: no use sergeant you've worked on him for almost an hour it's no use
8: we're not giving up yet uh,
13: you better let me take over for a while sergeant you're all worn out all
10: oh, right jim
14: come on sergeant Is he, do
10: you think there's he... a chance molly but he's so still he inhaled a lot of smoke i'm afraid can't figure out where he got that blow on the head back of his head is bloody as if something hit him if he were hit by a falling beam, I'd have seen that he was lying on his face.
14: Maybe you couldn't see it. There was so much smoke.
10: <coughs> Sergeant, look. I think he's coming around. Keep he's... working, Jim. Oh. We've oh, done my. it, Molly. He's breathing. Oh,
8: thank heaven! Is he coming too, Sergeant? I didn't think there was a chance. I thought he was done for. See. You
10: boys better go in the other room. He needs all the air there is in here. Right. Thanks for your help.
8: Call us if you need us. Right. We'll
10: be out here. <coughs> all right, Jim. You stop now. lift him over on the cot. All right, sure.
14: Is he going to be
10: all right, Sergeant? I think so, Molly. There. What happened? Jail caught on fire, Zeke, and you were overcome by the smoke.
13: And the reason you're alive is because Sergeant Preston rescued you. Jail?
14: On fire? Zeke. Zeke, I'm so glad you're alive.
10: Molly. We'd better let him rest now. He's weak. Oh,
12: my head.
10: He must have been hit by a falling timber, Zeke. Your scalp is split open. That's why your head's bandaged. you better lie back and try to sleep for a while. Prisoners. Don't think about it, Zeke. Try to rest.
11: Did you get them, Mike and Louie? No, there
10: wasn't time. I barely had time to get you out of the place. The building collapsed. I guess it's all over as far as they're concerned. Don't think about it.
14: Uh, no, no. Try to get some sleep now, Zeke. I remember now. They they got out.
11: Got out? That's what hurt my head. They they hit me with my gun. You mean they got
13: out of their cell? Yes, they they must
11: have They set, set fire. fire
10: to the jail, hoping we'd think they were burned along with you. Filthy murders.
13: They meant to burn you alive. Oh! Of
10: we'll get them back.
13: Well, they didn't have any supplies. They can't get far. They did have
10: plenty of time. They could have helped themselves to supplies from any cabin in town. Everybody was at the fire. That's right. You can take care of Zeke alone now, Molly. All he needs is rest and sleep.
14: Yes, Sergeant. I can take care of him, all
3: right?
10: Jim, come with me. We'll have the men search right every cabin now. in town see to see if they're hiding anywhere. Sure, Sergeant. One King. <laughs> I wish King knew who they were He could follow their scent. Everything they used was burned in the fire.
8: Is Zeke all right, Sergeant? Did you bring him
10: too? Zeke's going to be all right, boys. Oh, I never
8: fine, thought he'd
11: make it.
10: Fine. sure looked like a goner to me. I have a job for all of you right now. The prisoners weren't burned in the fire, they escaped.
2: Hey, what do you mean?
10: They knocked Zeke out and set the jail on fire. Now I want every cabin in town searched for them. They may be hiding here. See, if any of you have been robbed of supplies, that way we may be able to follow their trails. It's
2: been snowing hard for the last hour, Sergeant. You won't find any tracks. It'll give us a
10: lead if we can find the cabin where they took supplies. It'll show which direction they were going. I'll be at Zeke's cabin. My dog team's there. If you find anything, report to me there. Come on, Jim.
8: As Sergeant Preston and Jim approached Zeke's cabin, King ran ahead of them through the falling snow. Suddenly, the Mountie heard him barking frantically, and Preston hurried to see what the trouble was.
13: What do you think is wrong with him, Sergeant?
10: I don't know, Jim. Can't see a thing. The snow's too thick. What's wrong, fella? I don't see anything. Neither do I. That's just the trouble. My dog team's gone. Your dog
13: team? You mean it was out here in front?
10: Yes, I left them here while I went into Molly's. I intended to sleep at the jail and put them in the shed there, and then the fire started.
13: Well, maybe they just uh, ran away.
10: No, they wouldn't do that. They were tired. I'm afraid they were stolen. You mean by the murderers? Let's go into Molly's cabin, Jim. We'll see what we can find. Monking? This was the logical place for them to come. It's the edge of town.
13: They were here, all right. Look at the shelves and the beds.
10: They messed things up. Jim, you have a dog team, haven't you?
13: Well, it's not much compared to yours, but it's the best in town.
10: Would you lend it to me?
13: You know you don't have to ask, Sergeant. But how are you going to trail them? The snow will cover everything.
10: King doesn't know what men we're after, but he knows that team. He can follow their scent. Of
13: course, he never thought of that. And I'm going with you, Sergeant. The temperature's dropping. This storm may be a blizzard by morning. Won't be safe to travel
10: alone. Fine, Jim, glad to have you. Now let's get your dog team and some supplies. We'll start tonight.
8: King, following the scent of Sergeant Preston's dog team through the darkness, had to slow down to enable Jim's dog team to keep up with him. Sergeant Preston grew more and more discouraged as he knew that the distance between them and the men they were pursuing was getting greater every moment. Jim's team was no match for his own. At last, they were forced to camp for the rest of the night. And it was late the following morning when King led them to a small cabin near the trail. The blizzard had begun. The wind swirled the icy snow into their faces like tiny bullets.
10: Do you think they stopped here last night? They must have, but they've gone. No sign of my team. Guess we better stop here for a while and get warm. Oh, you, Eskimo. Yeah, the dogs
13: are tired, too. Phew, this blizzard is really kicking up. Come on,
10: King. You better come in with us, Walt.
13: little fire left in the stove. Maybe I can keep it going.
10: They must have left here early this morning.
13: Well, there's one thing in our favor. Huh? This blizzard won't help them murders any. It's getting worse every minute. They won't get far. Maybe they'll get lost, start going around circles.
10: Plenty of times I'd have been lost in blizzards. It hadn't been for King. But I'm in a spot like that. I just let him take over and he gets me out of it.
13: Uh, I swear I never saw a dog like him. <laughs> Look at him. He's not even tired. My dogs are dropping in their tracks.
10: This is nothing for King. You could keep up that pace all day and still be fresh. Couldn't you, fella? Uh,
13: is the dog that's leading your team now uh, reliable?
10: Not very, Jim. He's used to depending on King. He won't be much help in the blizzard. Jim, I have an idea. Huh? It's a long chance. I'm going to send King after them alone.
8: King?
10: But how Mike he... and Louie will be confused in this blizzard. They won't know which is north or south. If King could lead the team back here, Mike and Louie wouldn't know the difference.
13: But maybe they're camping someplace, holding in till Blizzard's over.
10: If King brings the dog team back without them, we won't have any trouble catching them tomorrow.
13: Well, I should think you'd be afraid they might shoot him or something.
10: King and I have to take chances like that. It's our job. Come on, King, old boy. It's up to you now. I want you to bring the team back here, fella. The team. Understand? Get the dogs, boy. Bring them back to me. After them, boy. Get the team. On King! Hope he makes it. You better put your dog team back in the woodshed, Jim. Hide the sled. All we have to do now is wait.
8: The blizzard had increased. But Mike and Louie kept going. Their heads bent into the wind. At last, Louie protested.
12: I think we're off trail. That lead dog, does not know where to go. you got to trust him. They lead us to a cabin or something. Can't stop here with no protection. I can't tell whether we're going north or south. Maybe we go round and round in circle uh, Hey, you hear that? You hear a dog? Listen. Oui. look there. That is big dog. Maybe he's lost. Uh, look at it. He's getting in front of the team. Yeah. He's breaking the trail for him. Maybe he's somebody's lead dog. You think we should harness him? Oh, he's doing all right. Hey, look at the dogs. They're speeding up. Maybe he'll take us to somebody's cabin, eh? I hope so. I got go much longer. Mush! Mush!
3: Get along now.
8: It was a few hours later, and Sergeant Preston paced the cabin nervously as he listened to the howling wind outside. Jim lay asleep on the cot. Then suddenly, the mounty heard the sound he'd been waiting for. Jim! Jim, wake up! That's King. What? What? King's brought
10: the team back. I told you he would. Well, I'll be...
13: You're going out there now?
10: No, we'd better wait right here for a minute. If the men are with him, they'll come in. Hey, I want you!
12: I'll get him! i moving that him! Let go! Let go! Let go! I'll take you! Now, oh, oh, not no, no more
10: gunplay.
3: Take boy. him away! Take
10: him away! Down, King. On guard, boy. Oh, my arm! Oh, my arm! King doesn't let anybody pull a gun on me. Close that door, will you, Jim? Right. Stay right here, King, and keep an eye on these two. That dog. Yeah. Belongs to you. That's right. And the dog team you stole. Well, King considers that team his. That dog. You crooks stole the wrong dog team. And now with King watching you, you won't escape
13: again. King <laughs>
10: agrees to that. That you
13: dog. Could not been fighting. That's him.
10: right. Thanks to King, this case is closed. <laughs>
8: In just a moment, Sergeant Preston will give you a preview of Wednesday's program. Discover why Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice win the praise of many a He-Man Hollywood movie star. Try wheat or rice shot from guns yourself at breakfast tomorrow. These crisp, tender, king-size grains are really swell-tasting. And good for you, too. Remember, Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice are never sold in bags or bulk. Always buy the big red and blue package with the smiling Quaker man on the front. That's your guarantee that you're getting the original crisp, fresh Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. These radio dramas, a feature of the challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, are created and produced by George W. Trendle, directed by Fred Flowerday, and supervised by Charles D. Livingston. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. For a delicious hot breakfast, eat Quaker Oats. The giant of the cereals is Quaker Oats. Yes, the giant of the cereals is Quaker Oats. Delicious, nutritious, makes you feel ambitious. The giant of the cereals is Quaker Oats. Say, boys and girls, do you want to be a star someday in sports and activities? Then start on good Quaker Oats breakfast tomorrow. Because nourishing oatmeal gives you more growth and endurance than any other whole-grain cereal. Still less than one penny a serving. Quaker and Mother's Oats are the same. The Challenge of the Yukon is brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at this same time by Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice. The breakfast cereal shot from guns. Listen Wednesday when Sergeant Preston and Yukon King meet the challenge of the Yukon in the adventure Bonanza 47. Did you ever hear of a dead man being tried for
10: murder? Well, that happened once up in the Yukon during the days of the gold rush. But that was only one of the unusual angles in this particular case I was following. And there might have been more than one killing if it hadn't been for King. It was he who solved the mystery.
8: Be sure to hear this exciting story Wednesday. Till then, this is J. Michael wishing you goodbye, good luck, and good health from Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice. So long.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dimension X, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for A Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.